in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Kimoko Ture. Yeah, I want to see the race. No, you don't want to see a bitch caught up in the stars like you had a space. I've been making kind of kind of way to me. Welcome back. This is the Plugged In Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Making, aka D Making Moves. And I have a very, very distinguished guest in the studio with us this evening, man. This guy is um he's a celebrity. Like plain and simply a celebrity, uh professional football player for the Indianapolis Colts, Mr. Kimoko Ture. Thank you, Dave. Thank How you feeling, brother? Me. I feel good, bro. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Um, thank you for lending for inviting me. It was a great day. Man, how you um how you holding up with everything that's going on with uh COVID and and really like, you know, that affecting your day-to-day life because professional sports has been stopped. So how you like managing through the COVID? Um, I'm just, I'm staying on top of my, uh, my rehabs, um, nothing changed. Um, I was training in, um, Miami for a month. Okay. All this, uh, epidemic started. I was there, I was trying to, you know, get, you know, different opinions and, and my therapy. Um, but fortunately I had to came back cause of COVID. They had to kick, they kick everybody out the hotels and stuff. But I mean, I talked to the, um, my coaches and whatever, trying to stay on top of my uh, rehab cause, um, you know, they closed down the facility at the time. So I was training at St. Vincent okay. to get my rehab in. Um, but I mean, Hey, I'm, 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 I'm just ready to go. I mean, I'm constantly just working on my body every day. Um, eating right. And, um, but at this moment I'm going through Ramadan, I'm Muslim. Um, so I'm going through Ramadan, so I'm just grinding. I can't eat from sunrise to sundown. Right. Yeah. So I'm just like, it's like two tough things. Just going through rehab and just going through, um, you know, Ramadan with my religion, whatever. But it's just making me mentally strong and and just you know getting me ready for the season. Out of curiosity, because I I just never even really took the time to think about when something like Ramadan um, affects the um, nutrition or the fitness plan or how that fits in with a professional athlete. Um, is that hard to manage, like just on a regular basis, even if you weren't mm-hmm. injured and, th- and different things like that? Um, yeah, for some people, they, they would think that it's hard to manage, but I've been doing it since I was young. Um, okay. I've, yeah, since college, I've been, I've been training without drinking and without eating. So it, it became second nature to me. Um, with this um, with this situation I'm going through with the uh, injury and stuff like that, it's just you, it like you know like how coaches always say that you have to schedule and prioritize your your daily routine. Mm-hmm. So this is like my daily routine. This is my religion. So I, every day, like I know I have to gain weight, and for me doing that, I know I'm supposed to eat on sun um, sundown before sunrise. So I constantly just the just change the day around. How if I eat three times a day during um, three times I would just eat three times uh, at night mm-hmm. and just you know eat um, the time I'm supposed to eat I'm supposed to eat around eight fifty five and I eat eight fifty five and then and after I eat eight fifty five I'm relaxed I'm drinking water and drinking muscle milk and then I'm eating it around eleven and I'm going to sleep and I get up like three or four o'clock in the morning constantly eating and just staying just same routine but doing that night man that take mad <laughs> mad discipline. Mad discipline, but um, you wouldn't be where you at today, you know what I mean, if you hadn't um, been a real student of discipline or got to like a mastery level with that. And one of the biggest things I want to expose everybody to today is like your story, your background and how you got here, because I think that um, a lot of times uh, we usually just kind of take in just the fame and everything that's going on when you make it to the league but the story a lot of times is not the headlines and different things that make that be made when you're in the league but what you actually had to do to get there Mm -hmm. and you got a very interesting story you know what i mean so um if we could just kind of take a couple steps back and go back like to childhood little kimoko child childhood yeah child childhood (laughs) where did you grow up and how was your upbringing man um, you know, I was born in Guinea. I was born in Guinea. My dad's from Liberia. My mom's from Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire. Um, I came here at the age of six. Um, and growing up here, you know, like I, you know, 
going up here, I had to learn English and I had to learn, I, I had to adjust to a new culture mm -hmm. and and just being, and, and had to learn how to adapt. So by me adapting, you know, and going to my height and everything, I, to, um, I started playing, I started doing karate. I was a, I, I, my first sports was soccer and I did karate. Um, and after that, then I started being, I get, I, you know, I get I, my height, I kept getting big. I was big for my, uh, I was big in everybody in my school and everything. So I started playing basketball, but I didn't take basketball seriously because all I knew was like, I just wanted to hang around with my friends and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I mean, I just did basketball because everybody was telling me play basketball because you're tall. Um, the, so I played basketball from um, since I was a child. So I played basketball. Then I started doing boxing. A lot of people know I did boxing as well. So I did boxing for a few minutes. My mom stopped me from doing boxing. I was really good at boxing. And um, then after I stopped boxing, I went back to basketball. And then I didn't really take basketball really seriously because I didn't I didn't really know. But but you know, 2008 I went through. Um, you know you know the 2008 was a recession. Right. So 2008 2009. So um, I didn't you know I didn't really take basketball seriously. And that's when I really just started to feel the struggle, like. My mom had to find ants meat. My dad, my dad was his, he was going out of business, and it just woke me up. And I knew how and I, I'm and I was all, I always grew up around my dad and my mom and how hard working they was. My mom was a hair braider, so I used to stay with my mom from eight o'clock to three o'clock in the morning. When she used to braid hair, mm -hmm. so I, I I already knew the definition of hard work and how and stuff like that. So I already seen how hard work uh, I already see how hard work looked like. So, and, um, you know, so long story short, you know, just, you know, just after I played basketball, then my sophomore year, you know, um, my sophomore year, my, um, my, that, that's when I moved to Newark. So we had to move out because, you know, we had no electricity bill and I was the oldest, of, I was the oldest of six. So we had okay. no electricity bill, no water bill and everything. So I couldn't feed, I couldn't help my mom out. So what I had to do, my mom was my mom put me to the side like, mom, I want to help you work. My mom was like, nah, I want you to stay focused in school and your sports. That's all I want. And she's like, I don't want you to be, I don't want you to have, I don't want you to do three different things at one because you, if you want, if you want your dream, if you want to succeed at something, you got to put all, you got to put hundred percent of it. Mm. So, and then and going through that recession opened my eyes and and my religion too. Like it just taught me how to be humble and just constantly keep working hard because God. Automatically gonna pay, um, you know, fulfill your dream if you if you believe in what you want to succeed in life. So I never give up in what I want. I constantly keep playing basketball. Basketball was my first sport. Constantly keep playing, practicing every day. I used to get up six o'clock in the morning, and people didn't know my hard work. And constantly, I, I show videos of what I used to do. People think that's brand new. It started from day one. I used to get up six o'clock in the morning before I used to, like practice, dribble around the streets all the time. That would have, I used to, and I, I had to get take a shower and get ready and go to class. Right. If we go to school, so I go to school and I have basketball practice, and like eight o'clock in the morning before class start at eight forty-five, and I used to go for eight forty-five. And I have practice after school. I used to stay longer, play, stay after basketball practice. My coach used to drop me home. Man, I used to do the same thing over and over and over and over, over and over. So it becomes second nature. Now sophomore year, you know my uh, track coach was like, yo, you athletic, you should play basketball, and he got me to play basketball. And I mean, uh, he, should, he said you should play, you run track. So I ran track. I did long discus, triple jump, long jump, high jump, 100 meters. And I was good at it. I love it. I was good at all of them. And I used to get, I used to, I, I didn't know how track, I, mean, I, didn't, know, I didn't know how track worked. But I love, I started, started to become, I, I, I became to fall in love with track because it, it helped me with basketball. And it became, it made me an all around athlete. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, just doing that. And, I, and it just kept me off the streets. You know, man, growing up what I grew up, I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. There was a lot of bad influence and I used to hang with the wrong crowd, but it's just like hey, basketball sports kept me out of trouble and it just kept me motivated, kept me just self driven because I I didn't want to constantly be at the position I was in. And I didn't want my family to be in a position that they was in. So and it just kept pushing me every day. And when I ran track and then led to football. So at what age did you start to shoulder or feel, you know, I'm saying the burden of responsibility to try to provide for your family? Or when did you go to your mom and let her know, hey, mom, I want to help you pay the bills. I want to help you 
you know, support the household. I was 12 turning 13. 12 turning 13. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's definitely something that um, not everybody, but a lot of us can uh, relate to, especially as uh, black men just trying to be, uh, you know, from a young age, if we can or do have the opportunity to help out our mom, just, you know, taking on that responsibility. But you had a special type of mother that was very, very um, focused on not only providing for the family, but that you were successful in your own individual pursuits. So first of all, you know, happy happy Mother's Day to your mom too, oh, yeah, man, yeah. because uh, that type of uh, support and drive, you know, everybody don't get that when mm -hmm. they're growing up. And um, I think that that was a critical piece on top of just your discipline and your tunnel vision kind of take you into football. So when did you start getting into football and making that transition? I started getting into football um, because um, it led to me doing track. So I did track when I did track um, my sophomore year, my junior year. At the end of my junior year, my um, my disco coach, my disco coach pulled me to the side in the bus. He's like, "Yo, you should play football." And we were sitting down constantly. Kept he just kept badging me constantly, badging, badging me. I said, "I don't want to play football. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to go. My dream. My dream is the NBA." He said, "Listen." He said, "You ain't getting no scholarship for basketball yet. Like you going through your senior year, and that's my junior year of high school." And I was like, I, "I know. I'm like, yo. So why why am I gonna quit? I ain't gonna quit on my dream. If I put if I put my mind on something, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go after and get it." So he pulled me to the side. He said, "All right, let's make a bet." He said, "All right, we keep. We, I'm not gonna keep going back and forth with you because he's like, I know you're an athlete. You're and you're a very great athlete, and I you don't believe in yourself yet." And he's like, "Yo, I'm gonna take you to three different camps." If you don't get a scholarship in three one uh, three camps, I take you and I pay your tuition in college. And I said, I was my mouth dropped. I said, pay my tuition in college. Right. So I was like, I bet. So it was it was a win win for me. So so we made uh, so I shook his hand. Um, but deep down inside, I was I was nervous. Um, I, I I didn't feel confident enough to um to commit to it um, because the first um the first uh. University was supposed to go to Syracuse, and you know, I got a little scared, you know, made a little excuse, and I called him up. He called me. He's like, "Yo, where you at?" He said, "I'm about to come pick you up." I said, "Nah, I got babysit." I said, "I got babysit my family, my my little baby sister." And he's like, "Oh, okay." He's all right. See, he let it slide. So this, um, a week, I think a week later, he was supposed to go to Temple University. Dang, I was trying to make another excuse. I was like, I don't want to do it because my passion wasn't football. My passion was basketball. So he called. He now this time he drove by my house. His name Coach Nimi. He drove by my house and waited with. You got like he had like five guys with him in his car. Waited by my house. Him and Coach Nimi. Coach Nimi and Coach Smoke sat by my house. Called me to see what I was gonna say. It was testing me. Where you at? I said I'm home. I was like, I'm babysitting right now. He said I ain't trying to hear no excuse. He said, "Either you riding with us, cause you told me that you you told me right in my face you gonna you, you gonna use with it." So I was like, right, "I don't got no cleats." He said, "I got cleats for you, no matter." what. He said, "Let's go." He said, "Don't disappoint your teammates, cause everybody we we depending on you right now." So he took me to um. So I, you know I I couldn't make an excuse. So I, you know I rolled down, came downstairs, we went to Temple. He said, "What position you want to play, receiver or DN?" And I said, "I want to play DN." I was like, "Now nah, I want to do receiver. I want to play DN." He's like, I bet. So let's, let's go. And the thing I liked about him was he motivated me throughout the whole camp. Like, like he knew me already. Like we like, like, like we was like this tight. Like, like he, he was like my support system. Like I didn't believe in myself. Like he showed me. Like he showed me. He's like a father figure as well. Like, like he's like a second dad. Like he was like, yo, I know you could do it. He showed these cats who you are. I know who you are. It just you gotta show the world. And then. Mm -hmm. One on ones, every drill. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know football. I didn't know the, the I, I had no football IQ. I didn't know the technical uh, scheme or everything. I just was observing. I would just watch everybody just be in the back of the line and try to do it, the, the drills better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know. So how did those uh, those camps work out? So you hit, you did end up going to Temple. Did you end up going to any other? Oh yeah, the last one was Rutgers. Um, Temple okay. didn't want to offer me because I weighed 185 as a DN, mm -hmm. and it was like, oh, we don't want to offer this kid um, because he's he's too small and he's an he's an anonymous um, 
kid that never played football, don't have a film out there. So, and they want to take a chance on me. So they was like, I ran a 4-4 there. I ran a 4-4 and I was, I was better than every athlete that was there. And there's one kid that was looking at Sebastian Joseph was like one of my close friends. I went to Rutgers with him. He, um, unfortunately he went to Rutgers with me. So they were offered, they was looking at him at the time. So they didn't want to offer nobody else but him. And they didn't know me. So it was like, this kid, we don't have any film on him, but we like, you don't want to take a chance. So after the end of the season, if he does good, we're going to offer him a scholarship. My coach was like, yo, and he showed him by me watching, observing him, like how much faith he had in me. He's like, yo, you're making a big mistake. This kid's going to be top player. He's going to go to the NFL. This kid's going to be this. This kid's going to be that. And he was saying things that i never seen. I was like, yo, why is he hyping me up like this? Like, right. So, and it was like, oh, we don't want to take that chance. So we went to Rutgers. And now, yeah, just because I knew he believed in me, I went out there and ball. Like, I went to Rutgers, did the same thing there, had confidence. Me and him was like tight. And like, me and him had a little handshake. And he just like, and that's the thing, like, that's the thing about him. Like, he, he showed me something that I didn't see in myself. So I balled out of Rutgers and Rutgers uh, coach, head coach saw me, pulled me to the side like, yo, I like how you, I like how you play and I like your um, your um, enthusiasm. Um, he's like, I want to offer you a full scholarship. Mm. He offered me a full scholarship. One day, one day camp, he offered me a full scholarship with 600 kids there. And I was that 1%. Man, that's a, that's a crazy story right there. But um, I also wanted to ask, was it at Rutgers during that camp or was it when you heard the way that your coach was talking about you? When did you know that um, not only am I a standout or breakout athlete, but I think that I have the ability to do something special with the game of football. Right. Did that happen for you like at one of them camps or at Rutgers or something like that? Or um, Nah, the thing about me, I was always, I was always self-driven. Anything I... Like I mind you, I told you I did I did karate, I did boxing, I did soccer. So I was a I was any sports you put you could put in my way. If I put it if I put my mind to it and say I'ma do it, because I'm self-driven. I don't like to be I don't like to half ass anything I do. So if I tell them like before I didn't I didn't believe in myself at first, but it's like if I commit to it, I might as well put everything I got in it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like mm -hmm. I'm not gonna put fifty percent in something that like um that a person put me in and it's like I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting your time, you know? So it's like, I could be at home, it's like, all right, why, I don't know what this coach didn't like, this and that and that, he pointed out certain things, but I knew I pulled 50%. So I don't, I can't really evaluate the full, you know, right, right. the full thing that, uh, you know, the full situation or whatever. So I was like, you know, I mean, everything I do, I'm like, yo, I'm gonna do at 100%. And that was my, and he's seen that all the time. He's seen mm -hmm. that, I never seen it, but he's just like, that's, was part of me all the time because I, I don't like I don't like losing. I'm always com I'm a competitor. Nah, that's that's real wisdom. That's real wisdom right there, and uh, kind of having that mindset at the high school level, going into college. Um, how was your experience once you finally got to Rutgers? So now you turned that corner. You know what I mean. You committed yourself wholly to football, but in such a short amount of time, you went from, ah, oh, man, I don't even, this ain't even my first love or my second, you know, I hoop. But getting on, changing over to football, and then bam, you at Rutgers, D1. You know, football is not a game yeah, out here. Right. You know what I mean? How was that? How was that transaction? I mean, talk, oh, well, really start from the beginning, like, pull, talk to me about pulling up on campus oh, and just kind of process, like, what you're about to embark on. Like when I was offered that scholarship, bro, like it was mind blowing. I mean, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to think of it because, like, I didn't. I thought it was just a regular thing, like mm. for you, like for you to get a scholarship and stuff like that. I when I went back to school the next day, everybody heard and it was all over the newspaper. Um, everybody was like, "Yo, you just got a scholarship one day." Like that's like, some kids like, "Yo, I've been I've been playing football since I was six years old." And I haven't gotten a scholarship. And it's like, yo, and I'm looking at you, bro. He's like, you got a some, you got a scholarship within being there for three hours. 
And I said, what you mean? I was like, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, mm-hmm. I didn't know. Like, I was clueless about it. So, right. the situation. So, I'm like, yo. They was like, bro, that's big. He was like, yo. Huge. This is something that, but this is something big in you, bro. He's like, yo, you got a full scholarship. It's worth something every kid around the world, like, plays when they were ages three, four, five. And you got it at the age of, like, 15. And, and um, but, but. And it, it didn't hit me till when I got to Rutgers. Like when I went to Rutgers, um, I seen everybody that you know, top players, ever kids. You know, I'm just looking at everybody. But I mean, that that's that I'm that mind you, that mentality still never left in me. So mm-hmm. I mean, um, mind you, when I went to college, I also found out me and my coach, my basketball coach, had a conversation. He said I had a couple of schools looking at me for basketball and stuff. I did have like offers from basketball too as well. But he's like, he yeah, I won, yeah, I won state or something like that when y'all. Yeah, was I won state my basketball my senior year. Okay, um, okay. I won state and I was a leader at the, that that year too. So we won state, um, and I went to Rutgers. I redshirted that year because I was like 195, still small, and they wanted me to learn the game because I didn't know I didn't know anything about football. Because I remember my, when I first started playing football, the only thing I knew was my coach would tell me like, "Yo, get whoever got the ball." Okay. He's like, That's you don't yeah. get whoever got the ball. And anybody I see got the ball, I'm promising. And that year, my because that year, that my my uh my high school year I had 19 sacks, 105 tack, 100, 105 tackle, 28 tackle for loss without knowing football. Not right. knowing what the hell I was doing. And I let and I was number two in the state with the most I was number no number one in the state with the most sacks. Crazy. Yeah. And I went to Rutgers, red shirt and um, not knowing anything, still didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. They had a personal guy, uh, intern, pull me to the side every day after practice, teaching me the game, trying to teach me basic of down and distance and and the schemes of offense and wh- what's this, what's that. And I was still learning. I didn't know, but mind you, they had changed my position though, because I couldn't get the I couldn't get the because um, when I went there as a DN, they changed me as a linebacker. Okay. They put me in linebacker. And it was hard, and I had to read linebacker. The linebacker is, is gonna go flat and whatever. So I'm like, what? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble. So I'm like, y'all picked me up for defensive end, but, and I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and I don't have a football IQ. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but. After a while, we had during the scrimmage, mm. I was messing up. Like linebacker, I didn't know what that was. I was looking clueless. So um, a coach, a coach pulled me to the side. He said, "Yo, we dropped you as a D- uh, we, we picked you up as a DN, right?" He said, "All right, try DN. Pull me in three plays. I had three sacks. Back off to the back, gate. To back, off the gate. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was like, whoa, right, we gonna we gonna this kid, this kid <laughs> be a pass rusher." So, and that's how it all started, but I redshirted that year, and they was like, yo, you gonna be a DN for us, for Rutgers. And that redshirt, they took that time, they, t- they was patient with me, and got me better, and just kept training me in practice and whatever. And then I was ready. Mm. Put me on the field, I was ready. So when they put me on the field, I, won, I was All-American. Um, I was number I have, I was num- I was number two in a, a nation with field goal block. Mm-hmm. Had the most block, and um, and I was it was like, yo, this kid could be, a, this kid have something. Good. So they seen something. So and then when I once I started playing, and then mind you, when I started playing, I only played third down, and I had, I was that's all it. American. Just that's it. And then I led the team with sacks, and I was I was all American and number two in the nation field goal block. That's crazy. Only yeah, playing like such limited possessions, only on the third down. So man. What would you say in that in that Rutgers experience? What was the hardest uh, transition that you had to make? Was it like trying to pick up on all of that football IQ that you were not able to like build up over the years, or was it um, you know the physical or the workout regimen? I know you was very disciplined on that, but it, I know that it also bumps up a level when you get to the college. So oh, yeah. was it the physical? Was it the mental? Was it the social? Like it's a lot of different elements going on. It was. It was. I'll say it was time management. Okay. Because in high school, you you're you go to school, and after you're done with school, then you go straight to practice. But with this, you got to college work. You got exams. You got you got you got projects and all that. And then you gotta they got tutoring. Then they got practice. 
Then it's just it was just every, it was, everything was all over the place. So it's like, and I had to go to campus and campus and campus and try to my time management was off. So it was it was something I had to learn how to get used to, and um and then try to stay focused. And and then mind you, school was it was stressful. When school was stressful. You go to practice, you start overthinking things like, oh damn, I got to do schoolwork, and now you start messing up and whatever. And especially you don't know football, so things start to get harder. You know, mm-hmm. things are, and it's just like understanding football, like the the business aspect of football. I didn't know that. I had to ask my teammates, yo, what's this, what's that? Then that's when, when you start getting aches and nagging pain and whatever, and it's just like, yo, you start thinking a lot, yo, what's going on with me? Like, is this what I'm really trying to do? Yeah. You know? So it was just, yeah, that's what that's what one of my hardest things, just trying to adjust and trying to understand and learn and trying to learn. I had to learn everything like once the game started being easy once i learned the game the game started to be easier for me but when i didn't know anything i was just doing anything and it's like dude just mm. and one time i got hit in the chest i was like <gasps> and it was like welcome to college <laughs> right <laughs> woke so you up woke you up you're like damn so was there um a time going through all that and even just kind of starting to get ready and make that declaration for the draft and make that transition um once you had already flipped the switch and said I was 100% committed to football, um, I know the discipline and the tunnel vision that you have kept you on path. But was there any time in that journey where you was like, you know what, maybe this is not the move? Oh, yeah, I've thought about that. Um, yeah, I could, it was 20, 2015, 2016 when I thought like football wasn't for me, where I just, I had, through, since I've been in college, and a kid that never that never knew the basic of football, I had five different defensive line coach being at Rutgers. Mm. Coaches coming in and out, and I don't know football yet, so I'm learning from different. And mind you, different coaches have different coaches. Different style. philosophy. Yeah. So it's like, and I was getting confused because it's at the point like I had I had a good year, but when I my redshirt freshman year, then after that my coach left and got a, a better job, and another coach came. And I had to learn all over. So, so it's like mm. it's all over in a different uh, analogy and how he exp- how he explained things is so different. So after he left, and then I had another coach. It's like, and then co- all the coaches got fired, and then another coach came. So it's like it was it was hard for me to adjust to like the learning style of football and understanding the basic on how they want things, the job done, and which has created like my nagging injury, how injury started and whatever. Okay. So now I wasn't playing the same no more. So I didn't let like, anybody figure out what happened to this kid that had an all-American year that played limited and that was so athletic that did so good. So what happened to him now? So I didn't know. So there's this kid that was trying to figure himself out and trying to figure football and trying to understand football. So I was always stressed out. And I was always playing. I was always stressed out, trying to figure out, nagging injuries, like trying to figure things out. And I didn't understand what it was. So I was just, you know, trying to ask questions like, yo, what should I do? And I felt under the radar from a kid who was going to be first round draft pick to like a kid that <laughs> where he at mm. on drafting, you know? Okay. So, then that's when the surgery came in. I had two shoulder surgeries. Um, then that's when I was like, I called my mom. I was like, I don't know if I want to play football no more. I don't know. So now everything, I forgot everything. And I forgot where I came from. The struggle came from the like the trenches. I came from the trenches. Like that's what, like that's what brought me to. That's what made me hungry. So after I started feeling, I started feeling sorry for myself. You know. So mm-hmm. now after now, now I started learning more about football. Like no, in life, no one cares. You feel me? In life, no one cares. And, we, and it's like, you got to take an initiative. Like, yo, what am I going to do after, you know? Right. So I had no one that cared. After I got hurt, I didn't have no one that cared. So it's like, only me. So I didn't, I didn't, not now, from a kid that was, that did good as soon as he came to college, all the fans hit him up and then all of a sudden, not, no, no attention. So you just realize who's your real friend, who's, who's like, who's your support system is just, always in my coach my high school coach always stuck by me my mom and my dad always advising me whatever so it was like yo hey maybe god put you down in this hole for a reason you know mm. and it's like what you gonna do about it now that's god's testing me how bad i want it how bad i want to be successful so that's how i thought about it though if i want if this my dream didn't come the way easy the way i wanted it to be and sometimes in life like things is not gonna always be the way you expect it to be you know, mm-hmm. and that's what hit me, and that's what hit me. That's life. Life hit me, so right. I had to, again, like life hit me again. Like yo, don't be, don't be complacent. So now I had to work. 
I had two shoulder surgeries. I had to work every day. I had to work in the um, the gym with the team, and after that, I had to, had to I had to go to my own. I went to my own a personal gym and had my own like uh, trainer, or physical therapy guy that met me that was helping me out with my treatment and everything. I was doing everything behind closed door. Things that I'm doing now that I post on Instagram, I was always doing that, and I constantly kept doing it, kept doing it. Brought me back into my senior year, and then I fell off the radar trying to bring myself back. Right, right, right. And then you, but you didn't fall all the way off the radar. You know what I mean? Like people nah, were I fell still. Off, though. I, I, that's what I'm saying. Hard work. That's what I'm trying to tell yeah. people. Like when people, people get feel sorry for themselves. Like people understand. Like, and that's what like a lot of people don't see their this, the dream. Your dream is right here. So if you see your dream. If you go through obstacles, you're gonna go through storms and everything. Everything's gonna hit you in life. So it's it's it's, it's a matter of how bad you want this dream. Mm-hmm. You got. I'm, I just kept walking through them storms, and that's what I did. Cause I was after my senior year, I was projected seventh round and undrafted free agent. Mm. And after I came out, most most people didn't want they didn't want to draft me. They was like, yo, we don't know what's wrong with this kid. But what I had to do is. I had to show everybody that I was still that player. And I was, luckily, I was invited to the senior bowl and the combine. Right. And, and and all this top players that was ahead of me and whatever and all that type of stuff, I didn't care about none of that because I was still feeling – I had nagging injury because my senior year, I had, I had two shoulder surgery. Then I had a broken rib. I was playing through broken ribs. Man. Right? That's I was playing through broken, yeah. broken ribs. And I had two tendonitis in my, in my knee. And then, I, and, and then um, by me, and then after that, I'm, I'm trying to recover. I had to do all that by myself, get up early in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. I used to call my mom, I don't know if I want to play football. Because my mom was always there, she was my support system, always constantly being that message in my ear and, and always telling me where we came from and the heart and the struggle that we've been through. And that's that's what kept driving me because I knew that my last name, Teray, it wasn't like because once you go through struggle, you start thinking about yourself. You forget about everybody around you. So I had to realize I had to I had to clock in and like, yo, it's not only me. My mom is depending on me. My little brothers and everybody's dependent. I gotta pave the way for them, make life easy for me. Mm. You know I mean? My last name Teray is a big name because whatever I do now is gonna is gonna determine what the future relies on my family. So I constantly every day I I, I just became selfless, not self instead of selfish. So constantly working on myself constantly get up and when I got invited to the senior bowl a lot of people didn't know they, they said in the senior bowl when you go to the senior bowl they, they got they got physical therapy you go in there you know practice going there I did not show one face there I used to have my own treatment in my room with my roommate um he was a top player he was a top two play. he was a top he was drafted he was rated higher than me mm-hmm. and we played the same position and he saw my work ethic so like every time I used to get up three o'clock in the morning while he was sleeping I used to treat myself I used to make I used to get hot I used to go in the hallway in the hotels and get cold like ice and put in there every day in the tub every day four o'clock in the morning and uh, treat myself every day and that's a different and type was, of discipline yeah, and that it was discipline that's because I wanted to batter anybody else around me even the players that was even players that was better than me or that was rated higher than me I was not gonna let anybody take my dream mm-hmm. and then put a put um put a perception and say this kid is done I, I'm, I'm i'm done when i said i'm done so that's how mentality that i had and and then, and then all, all of a sudden like i was after the end of the scene ball, i was named the linebacker of the week mm, so things is so you get this opportunity to really showcase to show that you are still that player you kill it kill it at the senior bowl then you get to the combine how was that so when we got to the combine, so now from being a seven from being a seven round pick to undrafted, now now that now they see the kid, oh, this kid did good in the senior bowl. Now he might be fourth and third. Now it's moving up a chart. Mm-hmm. So now I proved myself. Now now it's all eyes on me now. So now what this kid's gonna do in the combine? So mind you, in the combine, I had so it was like obstacles. I was going through obstacles. Like literally, I I fought so hard. Now people don't understand how hard I had to work to get to where I am now. Then I, the combine, then I ran, I ran a four, six, five, four, six, five. Then the second time I ran, I could have ran a four, five. I pulled my hamstring. Damn. So I pulled my hamstring mm-hmm. and I couldn't go again. So I'm sitting down, I'm watching everybody. They're like, damn, you could have ran that. I stopped and then even running, like I still was running while I pulled my hamstring. I still ran a four, six, nine. They was like, yo, you could have ran a four, five. But then I sat down, they iced me, just like, yo, chill out. I seen all the scout. 
and I didn't care because I wanted it so bad. I had to. I I told him I grabbed one person in the corner. I was like, yo, forget it. I'm like, yo, get 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 give me a tape. Tape myself up, and I went back out there, and I was catching balls and everything. They're like, yo, they're like, yo, we like your dedication and stuff like that. They're like, yo, we love we, we love what we see. He's like, yo, but be smart. Tape sat down, and sat me down, and I I just want always wanted to prove myself, and and they seen that. And um, then there's like after the combine, I had um, I couldn't do pro day because I was still healing up from my injury. So I had a private. I didn't know how many coaches was gonna show up on that um, on doing my private pro day. And because I missed the regular pro day, I had over 10 or uh, 10, 11 uh, scouts, NFL scouts, still come and watch me. And I and I killed it in my um, pro day and whatever. So now everybody, now people talking. Now you hear critics, critics saying second, third round. So I'm moving up the chart. So, and I always see myself, I was like, yo, I, I always see myself as, you know, I always seen my ability. I started to understand and feel confident about my ability because I wasn't gonna let anybody label who I was. And and that's, and, and anybody shouldn't have, don't, don't anybody should never, should, I should, I would never tell anybody to ever let anybody criticize you and, and, and accept because no one knows you better than you. Mm-hmm. No one been in my shoes and, and understand what I've been through to get to where I'm at now. And I was always stay humbled about everything because I was like, because God could always take the things away from you because I've been through it, you know? And God's always testing you. And like right now, God's testing me again. So, so I mean, um, you know, I mean, like after that, then after the combine, just, I did good. And um, there's a story where now the draft day. So draft, draft day, day is coming. So I don't know what round I'm going to be in. Um, so when, before the draft day, I had to visit, I visited 13 teams, right? Before the draft day. So, um, draft day was on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Mm-hmm. So Thursday, I had a draft party. I was going to have a draft party first, uh, Thursday and Friday. Cause I was like, you know what? I'm, you never know if you want, I might what get a draft so I, I, yeah. yeah. So what day I always had confidence. I was like, yo, I'm top two round. Uh, people didn't know. Cause the, and the critics were always saying late second or third or fourth. Most people saying third or fourth, so I mean I always always believe I started to believe in myself more. Like yo, I think I'm a top two round, I'm a top um, two um, player. So then I had a uh, first, um, so I had a first day of draft. I invited people, my family, friends, and I didn't get drafted the first day. Just a little discouraged. And I then the second day I'm Muslim. I told you I'm Muslim, so most uh, you know how people go to church on Sundays and stuff like that. So that's our day on Friday. Mm-hmm. So I went to I went to um, I went to the mosque on Friday. After the mosque, I went home and then the draft day, the draft party is at eight. I, went, I had it in my aunt house, and I got dressed. Before I got dressed, I mind you, I told you I visited thirteen teams. I had thirteen different shirts. The shirt that I picked that was a coat shirt, and then wear my my uh, suit and everything, my dashiki and everything. So I wore the coat shirt, not knowing I was gonna get drafted by them. So the other, um, then when I went to the party, I mean, when I went to the draft party, I'm watching different drafts and whatever. Then 51 pick, one of my boys went to Chicago, 51, second round, 51 pick. Then 52, before the 52, and then Coach called me. And then they was like, yo, come on, we're gonna draft you in the second round, this next pick and everything. So everybody started yelling. And I remember that I had a Coach shirt. You got the shirt on already. <laughs> So when they called my name, I took my my I took my shirt off. Everybody was like, "Yo, so you knew the whole time you about to get drafted?" I'm like, "Nah." <laughs> like, yo, and then I from then I knew it was fate. Like it was mm-hmm. fate. God always had a plan, and um, then got drafted, had my shirt and everything, and it was from there. Right, and history still being made right now. So. Um, and I, I want to talk to you. Uh, we're going to keep talking about football. But, man, I think that, uh, again, like your wisdom, your perspective uh, and the way that uh, actually, you know what? I would just say overall, you know, it's just like your maturity level. Mm-hmm. What things have you been like reading or indulging in in addition to like your religion that's like helped you kind of like really cultivate? the mind like a like a right, warrior right, type you know what i'm saying you're yeah. really moving with like a lot of poise the thing that i do is like i like i listen to like a lot of motivational speakers like mm-hmm. malcolm x uh muhammad ali and so on like different speakers and i just put motivational speakers and just try to listen to like 
different, you know, different voices and how people, you know, um, speaks and how people portray you know, society and whatever. And also, like, I like to, I like to, I, I look at Twitter a lot and I like look at the news and whatever and try to make my, how can I make Kamoko better? What can I avoid? Because I learn from other people's mistakes. And that's how you grow. You watch the news and this, that, and this is how you avoid little simple, simple little mistakes. So I look that, I look at little simple things like that, things to avoid. And I like to look at like, I go on Google and search up business people, like business, like I, right, this um, this entrepreneur, what he did to become famous, how he became this, how Steve Jobs did this, and this, that, and third. And he's like, with net worth, you feel me? Because my mentality is like, I want to be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody mentality. Anybody can be a millionaire. Right? The people understand. Anybody can be a millionaire. You can use a you can have a million dollars and build a and make a have a bank. It only take a million dollars to get a bank. A lot of people don't know that. You know what I mean? So my thing is like to be financial have a financial freedom is like I gotta I'm still climbing the ladders. Mm-hmm. And where I'm at, I don't feel like I succeed. You feel me? What I have now, anybody can have the money that I have now and then spend it. So I look at different rich like Jay Z. You feel me? Like how you know, how Jay Z when well, he became a rapper, now he he turned that that he look he turned that platform into a businessman. Exactly. You know, like and like and like Rihanna, one of the, one of the richest women, like like richer than Beyonce. How she did it, singer. Now she's an entrepreneur, makeups and everything. You know, mm-hmm. so a little thing. I just try to understand everything, just trying to understand the business. I'm not saying that I don't know the business aspect. And sometimes, yeah, you gotta take risk in life and whatever. But I gotta. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to Definitely. constantly, you know, continue to educate myself because I'm trying to create my future. Is I'm trying to create jobs for people out there instead of giving handouts. I want right. to create jobs for like individuals and for them to have create their own financial needs and whatever and create a path for people to easily you know you know to help other people up help help other people out and whatever so that's that's my take and whatever i'm why the platform i got now i'm just learning the business how to learn business outside because football ain't gonna last forever mm-hmm. you know so you gotta you gotta teach yourself in this epidemic right now i've been trying to learn how to teach myself i talked to my boy he does foreign exchange i met him in miami and his family is very wealthy, and and he told me he started he started doing foreign exchange since he was 18 years old. Now he's like part of CEO of the new company they starting right now. Foreign like, and I've been a part of it. He's just been teaching me the little things like foreign exchange and everything. He's like, and I didn't understand foreign exchange before, but you know, like the banks make money off our savings, right? You know what I mean? And give us a little percentage of the money that they use it for us. So. And I'm just learning a lot and you know, everything like that. Just trying to learn everything like that business aspect. And also like uh, London too, like he talking about his business, his app and everything. Mm-hmm. And I told London, I also went to school for um, um, information technology. Okay, and okay. I, I, I That's crazy, just, me too. Yeah, are you there? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got a master's so, in information systems. So exactly, so that's, that's always been my goal, like app and video games and everything. Yeah. Um, and I want to like, since this epidemic, I've been practicing. I've been learning about that. I've been learning about little stuff like that, and try to create ideas or mm-hmm. whatever. Just little things. Just keep myself busy. Do you find yourself getting like a lot of um, pitches? Um, not only just from like uh, family members, or anything like that, but from anybody. Like, do you find yourself a lot of people trying to kind of come to you with different ideas that they may have? Really, kind of looking for. The financial um, investment aspect, but do they bring you ideas and try to pitch to you or something like that? Or I mean, since I've been in the league, I've been having a lot of people come to me like I know Jay Z and everything like that. Like even rappers, like I have know a lot of rappers and they come to me and it's like, "Yo, I want you to listen to my 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 album. I want you to think, well, give me your perspective on this and that and third, or like, oh, can you sh- shout me out, whatever." And my thing is like me, I always like. Like my thing is, if I could help you out, and if you want me to post, my boy, his name Prophet, so he does rap music a lot, and we became close. And um, he like I listen to his music, whatever. So what I do is I listen to. So I have to bring how can how can I help my boy out? I used to go on live and listen to put his music out there. When you mm-hmm. constantly play the same thing over and over, people start to listen. So it's psychology, and people start to listen constantly. They're like, oh, I heard this song before. Now it just grabs people to into listening to it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, no, let me check this person out. 
you know, or I just post it, just post, have it, I'm just posting stuff out there, or whatever, things I could do to help you out, or whatever. And and just having that idea just gave me ideas to like more um, business ideas. I was just having people come up to me and just like, oh, this one did it. So like, uh, how can I change around? Because in things, if you look at Instagram, Snapchat, how are you useful? Because MySpace start came in first, right? Mm-hmm. MySpace came out first. So how did Facebook? Then Facebook, uh, Facebook kind of used the idea of how MySpace is utilized, but then kind of make an upgrade and got it right, right, right. Put they spend on it. Every every app is similar. You feel me? Snapchat. How Snapchat? Snapchat. Snapchat had a filter when you send people and then constantly deleted. And Facebook, you know, and then Instagram yeah, kind of picked a little up bit, on that too. And that's how a lot of business, everything. So you just understanding the little things and how you know how business, how did how what grabs people's attention. Mm-hmm. You know, live. I thought about live a long time when I go before even before even came out. I was like, yo, because I I didn't. I, mean, I was just an athlete, just playing football. I didn't really care about it at, at first, but I was like, yo, live should be in Instagram, but not live. They got live. And now it's here. Now YouTube got live. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, so and they picked little nips and to, to improve their apps and whatever. And um and um they so I just listened to different ideas like FaceTime and just like look at every little thing, different apps and like all right. So this is in a TikTok, how TikTok became successful. You know what I mean? Like they, what uh, what makes people into it? So you just in this world you gotta figure out what people like Uber. Why why Uber is successful? Because it gives individual people, it just give everybody individual jobs. They can use their own car to pick people up in there when they want to and get paid. So mm-hmm. it helps the app and the people. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Lyft did the same thing with uh, Uber. I don't know who came up for Uber or Lyft. Uber kind of came first, first and then Lyft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's similar. just, a, it was enough space for everybody to eat. Exactly. And, um, you know, that's one of the biggest things, like a business So that's why me as an athlete, I just try to think business-wise. And I also thought about real estate too, like, you know, real estate too, like, you know, only like houses and different places and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and even going back to like, going back to my hood, like going back to my hood, like North, North New Jersey and try to be that guy, like, okay, you have different business come and out the way I was raising and then buying business that we're paying rent and paying making them wealthier. Why I can't do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm in that situation right now. Why can't I go there? Like, I'm just and I'm thinking different ideas. Like, oh, but right now I'm just trying to learn and and just try to educate, and feel confident enough, and do all that and bring people together. You know, and that's mm-hmm. my goal. My goal is like bring different athletes, like like that was raised in my neighborhood. Like now we could be the investors, right? In that investor group. You know? Now that's now that's hard, uh, and that's a lot of times what uh, our hoods, our neighborhoods, really be needing. Like, just be needing to see people come back, people that have went out, put their mind to something, and accomplish um, their goals. But I know you're still on that path right now. You're still building that legacy, mm-hmm. and um, I know more opportunities that continue to present themselves. But just to kind of loop it back around to our football journey. So now you're in the league. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, you know, more business opportunities are presenting themselves. You plan on a much bigger scale or a much bigger stage. Mm-hmm. Moving up to this level, what's now like the big transition that you have to make, if there is one? Just kind of flipping that switch between college to pro. Uh, the biggest transition is um, you're accountable f- for every little action you take and that you do. But I said what I mean by in college, you any any mistakes you do is okay, is like it's not really hold against you because it's like okay you you're young or whatever they can't take your scholarship away whatever unless you do something crazy you know that right. okay they have to pull your scholarship but you're usually coming back exactly. one way or another exactly so yeah. yeah you're allowed to make mistakes in college but now you're in a pro level now is a p pro now you're a grown man you're playing against different grown men so you got to conduct yourself in a different way now now also you uh you are a, a public figure you feel whatever decision that you make mm-hmm. affects everybody around you you got kids that watching that look up to you you feel we got people kids watching you like yo whatever i do it affects everybody else it affects my family it affects other people kids so now that's that's and that's a different thing. Like, yo, now now 
there's no excuse because I'm I'm here where I'm at. I feel oh I could do whatever I want. Nah, you just gotta be more con- conservative mm-hmm. and more aware of what you do. So, I mean, again, like I, I think a lot of people get into the league. Um, maybe they don't have all of those different type of experiences when they co- in college, but a lot of people are getting to the league and trying to learn these lessons about really, you know, bumping their head and by experience. But um, again, just kind of your ability to learn from other people's mistakes and kind of taking information from different perspectives allowed you to kind of navigate and really just focus in on the game because when you arrived your rookie season, you was good to go. It was all systems go. Like, as soon as you uh, got on the field, you got a couple sacks, like, your first yeah. rookie year. I mean, did you expect to be playing, like, major minutes and different things like that your rookie year? Or what did you have in mind when you first got to the Indianapolis Colts? Damn, <laughs> uh, I wanted to be that guy. Uh, that's, 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 that's been a number one. Thing. Like, I just wanted to be that defense end that they, they could rely on because I was very excited that they took a chance on me. Um, and just and, and also, like, when I, I never told you, that, like, like I told you before the uh, interview started, that before I got even picked up, you know, I met my family, you know. Right, right. Um, her name Fender. So, like, she reached out to me when she didn't have to. So I was coming into a world like I was coming because mind you, I never had I never had an apartment by myself. I always lived in a dorm, um, so everything was new. Just just being drafted, and I had to think about okay, I gotta get my own apartment. I didn't know how everything worked. So being a kid that was handed out like wealth right there, and a flashing eye, be like, okay, what the hell am I gonna do? I don't know how to do. It. I never had an apartment before. Now you start to overthink stuff. So she was there and then she was a big part of my life. Like she's always supported me and she's always there for me, her and her husband, Dustin. So it was always there for me. So it's like, I felt like I was home already when mm-hmm. I got here. So, mm-hmm. And it's like, I felt like God, mind you, with, with, the, with me having a coat shirt before I even got drafted and by them being here, it's like, yo, it was, it was, it was, like, it was like God placed me a place of right home for me. Like this is all I want you to be. You know, this is this would be right for you. So, I was fortunate. I was fortunate enough to be blessed and given the opportunity to meet a beautiful family. Right, and, family um, already here. And 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 um and being um, placed in a uh, and with coast and coast nation that that their their culture is tremendous. Like I love their culture, and I would never think about any other team but um, the coast because they everything they said the message they sent out there is is it, it makes you a better man and it, it makes you a better man in the field and it, make, it bring the beast out of you too man so now where we at right now we've almost kind of got to almost present day uh we had like one little snag that happened you know with the injury not too long ago but um we already kind of hit on it a little bit you rehabbing and like your discipline is gonna pretty much get you through rehab on schedule on time and so much so that you've already been named as one of the 2020 breakout players like they are expecting you to have a a huge season come um next year so uh you already back on people's radars it's kind of reminded me of the story where you just talking about hey i kind of uh fell off a little bit this time it's due to injury but that break off or that period where you get the opportunity to get back on people's radars you're doing it right now Mm -hmm. i don't know if people just seeing the rehab or seeing the work ethic but um you probably already knew that though they got you uh on that list um and then coats have been busy in the off season too so um things been moving around and they had just brought in uh, a while, a little while ago, not too long ago. They brought in Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that that's gonna definitely be uh, a, a game changer. So uh, with you breakout player twenty twenty, Philip Rivers. I mean, what what are we looking at? One Super Bowl, two Super Bowls, three? How many are we looking at? What are we doing? To be determined because um, like we had we had talent since last year. I mean, um, and this injury didn't stop me. It was, you know. It's just been it's just been put on pause, and once I come back, it's gonna be replayed because I had that mentality, I had that dog mentality, I had that dog mentality. That I'm coming, nobody stopping me. So that that's my second year. My second year is everything was different. I had that confidence that yo, I got everybody around me. I, I mean, 
ain't no stopping me. Like that's that's that mentality. But you know, I mean, I've been, you know, I got hurt and whatever. But that mentality never changed, and it's still, I still have it. Um, and you know, the coach went out there and got Buckner, things that could help us out in mm-hmm. our defense. He got, he got Rivers, he got corner, he got Xavier. Uh, he got some Isaiah. Like we got corners. You know, we got we got we got goons coming in this year. It's gonna be different. And they have the same mentality. You got Darius Leonard. There's a lot of young guys. And the people don't understand this. A lot of us young, 23, 24 years old. Right. So we got dogs out here. So last year, unfortunately, we had dogs out there yesterday, last year too. But it was just like you know because of injuries that, that kept us down. But this year is gonna be different. You know. You know, we we stand on top of it right now. I mean, since since April twenty started, we was we was on we was on the go. We got meetings, we constantly talking and planning, we plotting everything. You know, getting game ready, you know, studying, and just getting you know holding each other accountable. Like every time we do drills, and they tell everybody they they hold every individual people accountable. Like every time we do drills, we got to send them um, videos of what we did. And I was wondering about that. Just yeah. so, so like communication, everything is pretty much still been like right on point, right on schedule, mm-hmm. even during the COVID stuff, right. player communication and workouts. Yeah. Like y'all still expected to do everything. Everything. Yeah. We talk, we talk on the meetings, like, um, we don't know what other teams doing, but we know what we doing. We just, we just holding each other accountable. Like we calling each other, like, yo, this is what we doing. And we got monitor, like the monitors will be doing work and everything. So it just getting us better. And knowing and just showing our progress and how hard we working as an individual. So and we talk about it as a group when we all get together and collab with each other. So and it's like it's no, it's like we ain't leaving no one behind. We just yo, if you're on the train, it's time to go. Mm mm mm, man, Kimoko, bro, you didn't um, you've really like hit on so many different things that just as a as a guest on the yeah. show, we. We're gonna have to put you in a whole different category right. you know what i mean yeah. you came in here and talked to us about um being disciplined being a professional performing on the highest level you know dealing with uh hardship mm-hmm. um i mean i felt like i just learned like a ton sitting here talking to you and you hit on a lot of different things but i do want to give you this time to you know pretty much ask the question like if it was one thing that you could share with uh, the audience, your fans, that you feel like has been important to your success and you feel like it's something that's shareable, uh, what would that one thing be? One thing, I mean, I get DMs all the time and kids asking me, what should I do? What kind of workout I do? And how do you get to what you got now? And one thing I would say, like, don't look at a person's success like you gotta look at what how they got with they at today. So I'll look at I won't look at Von Miller and what he is successfully. I'll look at on what Von Miller did to get where he is now. Mm. Because we all start from the bottom before we get to the top. You know, you don't start from top to bottom. So I'm just saying like you gotta work. I mean, you know, um and it's always gotta you always gotta have that mentality. Like my coach always said one percent. You always gotta you always gotta be Every day you'll have in your mind to you trying to be one percent better because you don't never know who out there working harder than you. So, I'll, I'll, that's what, that's what, that's always been my mentality because I don't know who's out there is working better, working harder than me. So I constantly try to stay on top of it every day, trying to be consistent because it's bigger than me. My dream, like this football thing, is bigger than me because it's not only me; it's every my family, it's the fans, it's everybody that's supporting me, that's that's relying on me. So that's why I tell I tell everybody, yo. There's people out there that's relying on you, and you gotta work as hard. Like you gotta work hard every day, bust your butt, even though if you feel like you don't want to do it, because your dream is right there. And if you quit now, you, you'll never get the outcome of what you could have been. Man, that's some wisdom right there. And as always, we really, really appreciate you all for tuning in and checking out this episode. Uh, Kimoko, bro. I appreciate you. Man, the wisdom. You got to write a book, brother. You got to write a book or something, man. But no, man, that's Plugged In Podcast. Appreciate you all for rocking with us. We out. But nigga, we coming for rifle. Shoot a bullet when I pull it. How you catch a bullet like a head of fabulous? Shooting on it was litty with bitches. Don't lie in no mind.
the fresh.